Welcome, everybody, to the 15th episode of the Paper Cuts Podcast. I'm Dean DeFalco, and with me today is Dan Ryan. Good morning. Uh, unfortunately, Evan and Nick, once again, have gone on their bearded adventures together. I don't know where they are in the world. Uh, I'm going to go with Cambodia. Uh, I believe it was Borneo. Borneo. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. that Borneo. sounds exotic. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so they're, they're not here. We're going to cover, and we got some books to talk about. I, I got some really cool books, and Dan does too. Mine are old, Dan's are new, so it should be a fun fun adventure. Uh, Dan, why don't you go ahead and start the uh, start the activities? All right, well, for this week, the, the two books that I wanted to talk about, I don't think uh, could have been any more, any more different if, uh, you know, like they are just opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, the first one we'll talk about be uh, Spider-Man and the X-Men. Now, uh, as I'm sure listeners to the podcast know, recently Wolverine uh, was was quote unquote killed Dead. in the Marvel universe. Whoa, spoilers! Sorry, I know. Sorry, I'm sorry. Bad. Well, they did call the book "Death of Wolverine." <laughs> yeah, they they really weren't uh, burying the headline in that one at all. It's like "Death of Wolverine." Okay, I guess he dies. But uh, yeah, so Wolverine is dead, and apparently he left Spider-Man a note in his uh, in his official uh, documents that said, "Upon my death, uh, Spider-Man needs to come teach a class at the school, and these are the kids that he needs to have in the class." And it's like the, some of the really weirder uh, characters that are left over from Grant Morrison's new X-Men run. Like no girl who is just the brain that uh, floats around in a jar, and Glob, who is the like the skeleton with uh, with the full full eyeballs and uh, the pink like glob surrounding the bones, like just really strange. I, and I'm really the kid happy with all they, the eyes. They the top notch characters. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, the kid who's like covered in eyes. I, I his name escapes me. At Eye the guy. I guy, it might is it I guy? It might be I guy. Probably not. I don't know. I, he's I kind of know. he's kind of a ridiculous character. Um, and then Raxlide and Hellion and Ernest. Um, and there's actually a really nice moment where like when Spider Man is first uh, taking role in the class, he's calling their names and they're like telling like saying no, this is my code name. You know, you call me by Raxlide or you call me by Hellion. And then he gets to Ernest, who is like the the really old looking kid, like the kid who looks like a 90 year old man. And, uh, he's like, uh, Ernest. Ernest says, yes, here. No code name. Like I thought Ernest was a nice name. All right, then your code name is Ernest. Awesome. But it's like, so you've got this like really ridiculous collection of characters. Um, and Wolverine specifically says, Spider-Man, you need to come in. One of these kids uh, is going to turn on the school. They're a mole, and I don't know who they're working for, and I don't know which kid it is, but it's one of these kids, right? So he's got this class of, like, ridiculous kids, and they're giving him a bunch of shit, obviously, because he's, like, a new teacher, and they, in typical high school kid fashion, uh, say things like totes instead of totally and cray-cray instead of cray, which Did, is... Uh, you, no, no. No one says cray cray typed out in a comic book. I'm sorry, that doesn't exist. I'm. I need. You're gonna have to 
take a picture and <laughs> and I need that on a link in the show notes because I need to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Totes cray cray. It's uh totes legit or totes obvious. Uh, all the just cringe worthy. I know, like it just makes you want to punch a kid. <laughs> it really does. Like you can't but it it perfectly kind of captures this this high school moment of here you've got Spider Man, the you know, we know Spider Man, we know the the trials and tribulations this kid had in high school and now he's teaching high school kids and they're being just assholes and like they're they're not respecting him as a teacher or anything. So they, they go to the danger room. And in the danger room they're practicing and there's all this shit like, you know, coming to get him and whatnot. And Rock Slide uh, thinking it would be funny, smacks Spider-Man into the arms of a robot designed to fight Colossus. Um, so right away, Spider-Man's like, maybe he could be the one. That was not very cool, like not leading a team and that sort of thing. Um, you know, so he, there's going to be a mystery as to who is going to be the one that will uh, eventually be turning on the team and whatever. But as you go through the issue... Uh, Spider-Man decides that these kids need to get out and really see some life. So they go to uh, they go to a history museum and they're looking at dinosaur bones and the kids are obviously like way too cool for school and like, oh, I've seen real dinosaurs, Spider-Man. What is this shit? And uh, as they're there at the Natural Hi History Museum, uh, Stegron, the uh, dinosaur man who is like Z-list Spider-Man villain at best, shows up. They start fighting there. All of a sudden, he's like, you know, uh, how could you have figured out our plan, Spider-Man? Nobody knew about it. In flies Sauron, the uh, pterodactyl guy from the Savage Land, for those of you who don't know. In flies Sauron. They beat up the kids. Sauron has the, uh, the powers to put people to sleep through, like, hypnosis. So he puts all the kids to sleep. And they wake up, and Spider-Man's like, oh, man, we're in the Savage Land. I hate that place. Um, oh, one of the other girls joined, or one of the other kids, uh, who I forgot to mention, Shark Girl. She is just a, uh... Shark like a sh Girl. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Green Lantern villain, the shark, if if you're familiar. Uh, yeah, this is just a girl, shark. Um, she has joined with Sauron and, and, and uh, Stegron to kind of rebirth uh, the Savage Land. However, the the big twist is to where the new Savage Land is located, and this really hit kind of close to home for me because apparently the new Savage Land is uh, Staten Island. So, yeah, they are re rebirthing the Savage Land uh, in the in the middle of Staten Island. So that's fun. Okay, so what do you, what do you think of the book? Is this kind of like a load of shit, or you know? Uh, well, I, like it. Now that I've just said all that stuff out loud, it sounds pretty ridiculous. Um, a bit. It sounds really ridiculous, actually. <laughs> yeah, it sounds in incredibly ridiculous. But it was, like, really enjoyable. I actually really, really liked it. It was really goddamn funny, which shouldn't be surprising. The writer on this book is uh, Elliot K uh, Kalin, who right. writes for The Daily Show, I think it is. Might be Colbert, but it's oh, either cool. Daily Show or Colbert. Um so really funny and like the dialogue was it was really quick paced and there's a lot of jokes. He really nailed uh, Spider-Man's humor. The only part of the book that I really like didn't like in the very beginning when they're first taking Spider like the book opens up with Storm uh, flying Spider-Man to 
to the school so he can teach. And there's an interaction between Iceman, Beast, uh, Rachel Gray, and Storm that it feels like they're just kind of being assholes to be assholes. Did you say Rachel Ray? Rachel Gray. Oh, I would be awesome if it was Rachel Ray. Dude, she (laughs) EVOO people up and, you know, be amazing. (laughs) But yeah, um, like it, it just feels kind of unnatural the way that Beast and Iceman in particular were interacting with Spider-Man. It seems like we need the adults to be assholes. So these are the four that are going to be assholes. But once they disappear from the book, um, it's, it was just really good. Like, like I said, really quick, really quick read, really funny. The premise is ridiculous in, in the best kind of way, right? Cause the Savage Land being in Staten Island, that's funny, right? That's, that's just kind of amusing, especially for those of us who live on Staten Island. Um, the art was done by a guy named Marco Fela, and it, it's really nice superhero art. The storytelling's good. The faces are good. Um, the coloring was really bright and like it, it looks really good digitally, which is how I read my books. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would definitely, I don't know how much life this book has, you know? Um, I think if they, if they market this as a, or if they do this as a limited run, you know, eight issues, 12 issues, whatever, then the book could be really good and and really just a nice little uh a nice little trade but definitely worth picking up i think wow okay cool cool uh what's the other book the other book uh going to the opposite end of the spectrum is one that i've been looking forward to really for since i first heard about it and heard about it like a, a while ago at one of the image conferences but it is the new book by kelly sue DeConnick. uh she's doing the writing and the art is by valentine delandro and the book is called Bitch Planet. And Bitch Planet is basically um, an exploitation film, like a, an old school 70s exploitation film, except in this one, it is not just a women in prison uh, exploitation film like Caged Heat or, um, oh God, there's, there's a ton. Quentin Tarantino has a whole bunch of, you can go look them up. Um, it's not just a women in prison exploitation film, but it's also a sci-fi exploitation film. And like the whole premise of this book is that women have been judged to be non-compliant. So instead of shipping them off to a regular prison where they can just kind of serve out their terms for all the things that they've been accused of, they get sent to a separate planet and on this planet called bitch planet in the, you know, popular lingo in, in the world that they've created on this planet, they are filming a reality TV show of life in prison. So it's like, it's like if you took orange is the new black and made it hyper violent and like set in the future, it's awesome. Like, it it met every one of my expectations, right? Like one of those books where it's like this, the idea of this book really sounds awesome. And then you read the book and you're like, yeah, this was really awesome. This was just so good. The artwork is very typical of the image style of artwork now. Um, Lots of angles, lots of muted colors with like lots of, you know, little pops of bright color coming out. 
every now and again. Um, really good storytelling from panel to panel. It is, I, I mean, the book's called Bitch Planet. It, I don't think it needs to be said that it's a mature book, but it is a mature book. There's, you know, lots of language, lots of nudity throughout the book, but all of it makes sense. All of the characters in this book are varied and different, and it's kind of really nice to see that we don't get just, hey, here's the white protagonist of this story, right? You, we get a non-white protagonist, a non-white male protagonist in this story. And the the whole introductory issue here is is framed around a man who is going to a lawyer basically and saying, you know, my wife has been sent to Bitch Planet and and it's a mistake. Um, you know, and the whole time we're reading this, we're going, oh man, like this really sucks. What's he going to do to get her out of there? And he's like, you know, she shouldn't have been there. I got, I got really angry and, you know, this thing happened, that thing happened. Here's all the, I gave this guy a bunch of money to try and get her, you know, to try and get the process expedited, but it didn't work. And, you know, the lawyer's just sitting there going, well, you know, that's how these things work. And I don't know if, if I can really help you and I'm not really sure what I'm going to be able to do. And he's like, look, I've, I've got some more money and, you know, I had an affair and, you know, I, I just, I didn't realize, you know, what it was going to, to cause. And, and like, as he's telling this story, it's interspersed with little panels of his wife on, in the prison already saying things like, you know, he had an affair. It was my fault. I didn't realize that he needed these things. And, you know, I forgave him and we've tried to move on. And I really, I shouldn't be here. I'm not supposed to be in prison, right? You get that that trope in every prison movie of, I'm innocent. I'm not supposed to be here. The lawyer fucked up. The jury, like, whatever. You know, so you've got that going on. And as you're going through the book, and spoilers in case you haven't read it yet, so you can skip ahead here about like a minute or so. but as you're going through the story, the twist comes where the wife who's on the planet is not the one he's actually trying to save. This guy is actually talking about saving his mistress and making sure his mistress does not get sent to jail, right? And it's just this disgusting scene of her coming in and, and like at the lawyer's office and then being like, we're married and we're in love. And, you know, I left that bitch and like all this shit. And it's just like, oh man, that's heartbreaking. And then it cuts back up to the planet where the thing that he was talking about getting her, getting expedited was her getting murdered on the planet. So his wife gets murdered on this planet, right? The guards kill her. And you're just like, oh God, just gut-wrenching dude this you know, doesn't and, sound and... like fucking orange is the new black this sounds like oz oh yeah well okay yeah take take orange is the new black mix it with oz set it in outer space in the future and there you go you've got you've got bitch planet it's just awesome like just a, a really really great book I, I didn't see I that coming, man. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Is it is it gonna be a bunch of one-off stories that happen in the jail like that, or is some there's some sort of overarching plot? Well, the 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 overreaching story is going to be um, the very last panel of the book has one of the 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 guys running the prison saying, "I think we found the star of our show," and one of the girls tries to come defend the wife and. 
you know, is fighting off guards and shit, and she's doing some, like, kind of badass kung fu. Like, in exploitation films, there's always somebody who knows kung fu for some reason, right? So this girl is just doing some kung fu to the guards, and they're like, this is the girl we're going to focus on. And that's where the book stops. And it's just like, oh, man, this is this is going to be awesome. I'm I'm so stoked for this book. The characters were really awesome and, like, really, really different. You know, like, there's not just a bunch of cookie-cutter... Like, you know, these are the people that are in jail. Like, they all have very distinct personalities. Um, it, it, it's just awesome. Just awesome. Awesome. That sounds like a crazy book, and I'm pretty excited to read it. Bitch Planet from Image, right? From Image, yeah. Kelly Sue DeConnick and Valentine uh, Delandro. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the three ninety nine. Uh, three fifty or uh, two ninety nine digital. Cool, cool, awesome, yeah. Guys, yeah, another you, thing you to love chance. about Image Comics, their digital books are cheaper than their print books. It makes sense. It, as it should be. I, I totally agree. Um, All right, awesome, Dan. Uh, did you have anything else to talk about, or are those the two that you focused on this week? Uh, those are the two that I focused on this week. Um, Yeah, that's all. that's all I got for those. Sweet, sweet. Uh, yeah, I, they, they both sound pretty cool. I, I'm kind of digging that spider-man one too the more i think about it uh i it could turn out to be really good i i i agree with you i don't know if it has the feet to really go for like a full length thing but it definitely could make a really cool limited series yeah it was just it was really fun you know it was, it's i like a lot of the image books you know i like a lot of the the more um adult storytelling type things but every now and again i just want to read something funny and quick you know Totally feel you. Uh, speaking about quick, I I read a lot of stuff this week uh, having to do with the Flash. Did you see that? I set you up for that segue. That was good, right? Yeah, it was great. I I loved it. Thank you so much, Dan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I I checked out the Flash this uh this week, and uh after the what do they call it mid season finale for the actual TV show, and I was like, you know, I've read some Flash, but I haven't read all that much. So let me go ahead and read some stuff. So I did some research and everything, and the first thing I came upon was a story arc by Mark Wade in the early 90s that he did called The Return of Barry Allen. Now, preface to this, and um, there's going to be a lot of spoilers, uh, so if you don't want to know what probably is going to happen in the TV show and what happens in a whole fuck ton of comics, you just might want to... <laughs> Skip ahead a little bit till I get to another book, but yeah. Do we, um, do we have to give spoilers for a twenty-year-old book? Uh, yeah, all right, yeah. Spoilers for a twenty-year-old book, you know. If <laughs> I, I mean, if well, I'm 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 about to go even further back. I'm about to go to Crisis on Infinite Earths and spoil it for people. So you know, I I don't know okay. if if anyone really wants to read that because it's not the most fantastic book ever, but it does have some relevance for what I'm about to talk about. So. Uh, yeah, if you're wondering why it's the return of Barry Allen, it's because Barry Allen died at one point in uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, he actually sacrificed himself to, I, I guess it's, what, what would you call that, realign the Earths or bring them mm -hmm. all together, unite them? Okay. Uh, he, he, Doesn't he sacrifice him like he runs into the Speed Force or yeah, something yeah, he, he basically crisis yeah. in, in a very long time? 
Yeah, and basically what it is is he he more or less I guess almost breaks the speed force and uh, just to uh, unite all these multiverses together and create one Earth uh, because in DC there are infinite amounts of Earths. So yeah, this this brings them all together into one. This is like nineteen seventies, I think. Uh, crisis, yeah. I think it was late yeah, 70s. So, so by now, you know, DC has 30, 40 years worth of Batman stories, Superman stories, and whatnot. And people are starting to get suspicious to why no one's aging, why everyone's staying the same, why there's some different stories kind of contradicting themselves going around. And this was DC's answer to it. So, yeah, basically the Flash sacrifices himself to uh, for, for the good of humanity just to save the world. Uh, fast forward a little bit, haha, fast forward, um, (laughs) (laughs) to the return of Barry Allen where he comes back just out of nowhere. It's some freak lightning storm that happens to bring him back during a battle and, uh, he, he has no memory of who he is. And, uh, what it is, is that it's, it's not really Barry Allen. It is, Reverse Flash, uh, that actually reconfigured his face to look like Barry Allen. Now, the kicker about this, which is really cool, and my theory for what's going on in the Flash television series, is that the Reverse Flash in this timeline actually has never met Barry Allen yet. The only reason he went back uh, was to meet Barry Allen and... and um, How do I put it? Uh, you know... Be a fan, you know, just just really get to know him. Unfortunately, he uh, got teleported because uh, Reverse Flash is from the future, which I'm sure they've mentioned in the TV show. And I, if you've read any comics, he, you know Reverse Flash is from the future, the 25th century, I believe. Uh, the, yeah. This time machine brought him back to the, the wrong timeline. So uh, he ends up... Uh, kind of just wandering into the Flash Memorial Museum because Barry Allen's dead in this time. And he actually finds a diorama of himself, Reverse Flash, being beaten by the the real Flash. And there's a little plaque there that says, uh, Reverse Flash with his final stand against the, the real Flash. And then it says uh, Reverse Flash's real name was Eobard Thawne, which is the Reverse Flash's real name. And to that realization, uh, Eobard Thawne kind of just loses it. The Reverse Flash just, his brain fucking melts. And he, (laughs) I I mean, imagine, you know, going to meet your, your hero, the person you look up to, just to realize you become his arch nemesis and the person that ultimately kills you. Like... Uh, th- that would kind of fuck me up pretty hard, too. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty shitty. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, what happens is, is because he looks like Barry Allen, and that was the whole reason for coming back, was because he wanted to team up with him, uh, and he realizes Barry Allen's dead, he just takes on the persona of Barry Allen. So he starts becoming tight with his family, Wally, the Justice League, and everything. Uh, you know, he he starts really getting tight with, uh, Hal Jordan again and everything. But Wally kind of notices something's off. Something's not right. And as the book progresses, you start noticing that something's not right with Barry. I mean, there's a whole scene where they're like, oh, we killed the Flash. No one can take us. And what happened is they they uh, hurt Wally, and Wally's under a bunch of rubble. 
Uh, but Barry hears this and he just goes ape shit. Like he's like, I'm the Flash. No one else can be the Flash. No one else can be me. And he just starts pummeling on the dude that said it. And Wally finally pulls him off, and he hears what uh Barry's saying, and he's like, "That's not the Barry I know. Something's wrong here. So I I need to figure this out." And about like three quarters of the way through the book. Apparently, the Reverse Flash uh, came back with a a diary that he had with everything written in it, and he dropped it where he teleported off, but he left it in just, you know, a pile of garbage. Because why not? Comic books need clues. So, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, Wally finds the book. He figures out that Thawne is uh, pretending to be Barry, and they confront him. Uh, and the the thing about this book is this is really Wally's, uh, you know, coming into the actual Flash character. Because uh, before this, a lot of uh, the stuff that Wally did, he compared himself to Barry. He wasn't fast enough. He'll never be as quick as Barry. And, you know, I, for good reason, because this uh, Barry Allen was the man that Wally looked up to. I mean, it was his uncle for one. And then secondly... It was the hero where his, you know, powers originated. And to have the same powers and everything, that's why he took up, you know, the Flash mantle from being the uh, Kid Flash. Uh, he wears the same suit and everything. And it, it was a big deal for him, for Barry, you know, to do that. And I mean, when you think about it, Barry's a huge hero. He sacrificed his own body and self to save the world. And I mean, there's not many heroes in the DC Universe at that time that had really done something like that to for the good of, hum- of humanity. I mean, sure, they've actually done stuff and succeeded, but Barry actually sacrificed his own life just for everything to come out okay in the end for everyone else. So, you know, Wally had high expectations for himself, and he thought he was never going to meet that. But after this confrontation with uh, uh, Eobard Thawne, Reverse Flash, he he just came to... The realization that I I am the Flash now, you know, I can be that fast. I have to be that fast because I have to beat this person. I have to beat Reverse Flash. So he really ups his game and he does some psychological stuff to him to kind of actually trick uh, Reverse Flash to going back into the past again and going back to his own time because Wally says that, you know, I'm faster than you now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the time machine. Now I'm going to go back. And how about I ruin your life now because you ruined Barry's life. And this totally fucks with Thawne's head big time. And he freaks out, gets back on the uh, time machine, and literally just starts crying and whimpering while he's running back like, no, please, (laughs) God, no. And it, it was so good. It was such a great book. And it ends on a high note because Wally really comes into his own at that point. You know, he still honors Barry by taking up the same name still and wearing the same costume. But Wally's his own person. He doesn't do it for Barry anymore. He does it for everyone you know else. He does it to save people. He does it for himself. He doesn't need to try and meet Barry's expectations anymore. Which and it, It's a very bright and it, it's a cool book. I, I had such a great time reading it. And I mean, if, if you want a Flash story, uh, you can look on the internet. Mark Wade's run on The Flash is probably one of the most prolific, even though it doesn't concern the, you know, the original Flash, Barry. Uh, excuse me, not original Flash. Uh, the most popular Flash, Barry <laughs> Allen. It, it's still a really great book. I, I had so much fun reading it. And I got to agree, Mark Wade really does justice to The Flash. This this really may be like the best the best Mark Wade 
has ever been, and which is which is really high praise considering that this is the guy who wrote Kingdom Come as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I remember when I was reading this as it came out because I've always like I I really struggle with the Flash because I really like the Flash, but when he when he's not written by by the best of the best, his book is terrible. You know, like because. It, so often it, it falls into the trope of he runs fast and punches a lot, you know, and there's, there can be so much more with this character. And when this originally came out was around the time where DC was doing a lot of, uh, a lot of really drastic things with its main characters. I mean, if you think about in the early nineties, what was happening at DC, uh, they killed Superman, they broke Batman's back and Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, uh, was becoming parallax, right, and going through yeah. his whole thing. So they were taking all of their iconic characters and doing these just really crazy, crazy stories. And with the Flash, it was like, all right, now Barry Allen's coming back. That's what we're doing to Wally West character. Barry Allen's going to come back, and that that twist of it being uh, Reverse Flash or, or Professor Zoom, um, as he's also known, uh, was was just it was really incredibly well done and very very well written i really liked in in this book too the introduction of the uh like the flash family of jay garrick the original uh golden age flash and johnny quick and max mercury and just bringing all these characters in and and making them you know part of this whole big you know family of speedsters and and the speed force and the like you said the the nonsense of running on the the cosmic treadmill which is a time machine but they call it the goddamn cosmic treadmill and it's just like it, it's there's a lot of charm in this book there's a lot of really emotional storytelling the art in this book was was fantastic oh yeah greg larock did the the pencils i think yeah yeah and yeah. i it, it looks and... so fucking pretty it really does. I mean, this is it is a visually stunning book. The storytelling is excellent. Um, I really liked the cover artist too. Like, and and this is getting a little nerdy, but <laughs> the cover art was done by uh, Brian Boland, who has done a ton of of work for DC, and perhaps his his most well known uh, image is the uh, the Killing Joke. The Batman story, the killing joke of the Joker holding on to the uh, the old camera, and you know taking the picture. But he did the the covers for for all of these issues, and those were just great. The interiors were great. The writing was great. It was just an an excellent excellent storyline. Oh yeah, it was it was fantastic. I I'd recommend that to any Flash fan who wants to get into this type of stuff. Uh, this also sort of explains uh, some of the stuff maybe going on with the TV show. I'll just explain my theory real quick. Uh, Dan, do you have? Uh, you haven't watched The Flash, have you? Not even a minute of it. Do you mind if I spoil some of it? Not at all. Okay. So, uh, sp- spoilers for any of you who haven't caught the mid-season finale yet. What happens is, is that uh, the this one character, Doctor Wells, who seems to be assisting the Flash to an extent, uh, has some sort of dark background that no one really knows yet. My guess is he might be a new god. Or he's, mm. or he's, um, the end result of what Reverse Flash is going to become. Mainly because, 
Uh, he's very smart. Uh, he seems to know a lot about literally every little scientific fact possible. Uh, and then in the book, uh, in well, not in the book, in the show, he uh, he's wheelchair bound uh, in in the public. But when he's alone, he has a future room that he goes to, where like he literally just puts his hand up to a panel on the wall, like the wall opens up, and he's got this uh, computer that he talks to named Gideon. And the computer, like, has all these events that happen, like a future computer. And, you know, it, it's basically giving the headlines for what happens on Crisis on Infinite Earths, that uh, Barry does die uh, sacrificing himself. And uh, through the last, I, I don't know, I guess it's nine, ten episodes they're on, uh, you know, he, he's like, Barry Allen has to reach this this point this is his destiny this is this is the flash which i mean doesn't sound like a bad thing because he saves the world you know that that's not by any means a bad thing <laughs> that is his destiny he's going to save the earth the thing that's different is that uh in the very very last episode reverse flash does come about the person that killed Barry Allen's mom and they they start fighting, but he's not fast enough to to take on um, the reverse flash. So he gets the shit kicked out of him twice. And uh, what happens is Firestorm ends up saving him at the end, uh, which is really cool because it's the first appearance of Firestorm. But it, it makes you think like, is Wells reverse flash? Because he could be. Because my guess is that I I think that this is. Eobard Thawne all the way in the future, like, he, he's gone through every possible outcome of, you know, in every battle that's happened, and he's finally traveled back one more time to live amongst them and take advantage of Barry at his weakest point, which is... It's, a, it's an interesting role for a villain to take, and it's one of the things when done well, like in these storylines, um, where you have a villain who goes back and is a villain so that the hero can be heroic. That, that's what it sort of seems like, but the thing is, Reverse Flash, I guess, what I would think is an earlier version of himself, goes back and starts fucking shit up, you know, uh, messing with Barry. Again, they get into a whole fight and everything, and it's over some sort of tachyon device that'd make the Reverse Flash even faster. Uh, what does happen, though, is that Wells and this Reverse Flash get into a fight, and it makes you think, is he the Reverse Flash then? Who exactly is he? But at the end of the episode, Wells ends up with the tachyon device and puts it on a Reverse Flash suit that's in his future room. So it makes you think, like, I, I, maybe he could be the Flash? I'm not sure. Like, or the, the Reverse Flash... I have a few guesses. Like I'm like maybe he's he's Jay Garrick and he came back from the the past or like into the future or something, or maybe he's he's Bart and he came back. Like I I don't know. Like but the reason like part of me thinks that it's a kid Flash suit and he's just trying to be as fast as Barry. I I don't know. There's so many theories I have rolling around in my head, but the main one is that he is the latest version possible of Reverse Flash and comes back to ensure that certain things happen and then, you know, when the time is right, he'll take advantage of uh Barry when he needs to. That would be that would be awesome. And that that is enough to get me to watch the show. Uh, well, I'm I'm glad well. I I to be honest, it's a really good show. Like Arrow's super dark and everything. 
This is a little bit brighter, not silly, but just lighter because uh, the arrow is very heavy-handed with, like, all the feels and stuff, man. Like, literally, there's there's no happiness. It, it's <laughs> literally like an, an episode, uh, well, a Batman movie, like the Dark Knight movies, over and over and over again. Just one long Christian Nolan fucking, or Christopher Nolan, not Christian Nolan. A Christopher Nolan film into a TV show. That, that's what it seems like because there are no happy points in it. There's some sarcasm and stuff here and there, but yeah, it, it's super dark. And uh, man, that the Arrow uh, finale for the the winner was totally mind blowing. It was awesome. Which I I mean I sort of thought it was gonna happen, but yeah, you know I'm not gonna ruin it for anyone. I, I ruined enough for the Flash. So yeah, by all means, watch it. It's so good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that that nice. leads me around to the other book I was uh, thinking about talking about, which I, I guess I will. After reading this, I wanted to read more about, you know, this multiverse stuff, because, you know, there to be honest, it's been going on since the 70s, but there's been multiple events where this has come uh, up in, I, I think, trades, uh, whole comic series, uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, just to list them, you have... Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is the first one. You have Infinite Crisis, you have 52, and then you have Flashpoint. So that's four of them right there that I'm counting without doing any actual storylines. Those are those are trades or actual series devoted to this multiverse stuff, which is cool. I mean, did I miss anything notable? Uh, Crisis on Multiple Earths, um, uh, Champions. There's a couple other uh, couple other things. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I, I mean, the the one I read was Infinite Crisis because I, I've heard so many good things. I mean, it's Jeff Johns, and if you put Jeff Johns in anything, I'm I'm going to read it. I'm, I'm a Jeff Johns fanboy. I, I love the guy. Um, however, you know, he, he did uh, all the writing for it, and Phil Jimenez did uh, the art. And it, it's, a, it's a pretty spot-on book. Starts out a... Uh, Kind of, um, how do I call it? Like a mystery almost because, you know, y- you have someone destroy the 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 Justice League uh, watch station in space who could have done it and everything. And apparently there's an OMAC uh, problem going on where Batman didn't program his shit right. So, like, there's a rogue uh, satellite in space that's perfectly cloaked controlling hundreds upon thousands of, like, uh, OMAC robots and like it gets really real really quick and you start realizing that there's a grander scheme to this that let me see if I could get this right that Earth Prime Lex Luthor and Earth Prime Superman are setting up to try and bring all these the best of every world together and combine them into their perfect world however uh, the Earth mm-hmm. One characters, I believe, are trying to stop them because they're going to destroy hundreds of universes in the process. So, uh, what ends up happening is is that you know a huge battle ensues and everything, and they're they're really just duking it out and fighting. And it, it's an action packed book. There's so much stuff going on. There's so many characters that show up. It's it's a really fantastic book. I, I I had so much fun reading it. But in the end, the the end result is that they bring it back to come to one one Earth again. Or er, yeah, I believe it's one Earth in this one. Uh, to be honest, in all these books, 
it, it keeps going. It, it goes back from one <laughs> Earth to to fifty two Earths to a bajillion Earths to infinite Earths. It's it's really tough to keep track of it, uh, and that's probably the the biggest issue with DC's uh, universe is that it's not just one universe. There there's so many going on, and to keep track of it can be difficult. So, you know, it, it's it's a really fun book to read, but it can be confusing. You might want to keep a Wikipedia page up about, you know, all this stuff going on or about which story arc kind of started it because reading the book standalone is really, really cool, especially when you get halfway through. It starts picking up like crazy stuff, like action nonstop after that. But before that, it's a little slow, and trying to understand all the different uh, stories coming from all these different characters can be a little confusing. Uh, for one instance, uh, the Justice League Dark, which is all like, you know, the supernatural heroes kind of show up. And they start uh, uh, trying to resurrect the Spectre because magic is dying. And apparently if they can resurrect the Spectre, magic will come back to life. But instead of helping them, he just starts murdering everyone because they're all guilty of sinning. So, <laughs> oh well. Uh, yeah, so, you know, w- without any... Yeah, without any of, oh, well. you know, the other prefaces going on, it can be a little difficult to understand, especially if you don't know a lot of the characters. However, I had a lot of fun reading it, and again, it's another DC classic that I think everyone should read. Yeah, I really like this book. It gets a lot of flack, um, as most of these crossovers do, because eventually, like you said, they become bogged down in their own continuity so hard, and especially with the DC stuff, with uh, with... 52 planets you know or 52 different versions of reality it just gets it gets ridiculous you have like superboy prime and lois lane from earth 2 and this guy from earth 17 and like it's just like oh my god okay all right (laughs) like you said keep a wikipedia page up um to get through it but the the writing was great i mean jeff johns is always good you know that's like does a bear shit in the woods kind of thing. Like Jeff Johns is, is always excellent. Phil Jimenez was his artwork in this book was, was spectacular. Um, I feel like he's one of the, a really underrated guy in, in so far as like, he is just consistently excellent. You know, he, there's, there's really nothing bad you can say about Jimenez's work. Um, there's so much that happens in this book with so many different characters. And I mean, really, the main flack that this book gets is the uh, Superboy oh, punching yeah, cool. reality yeah. so hard out. that that uh, that well that he not only does he break out, but he brings back uh, Jason Todd as well, like undoing the death in the family story arc from you know from Batman, and it's like okay. There are better ways to resurrect a superhero than yeah. being punched back into reality. And, and, That's, and the thing that is, was kind of like, dumb. He's, but, he's just, you know, it, it turns out he he's not this 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 hero. You know, he he's actually probably, I would say, the, any universe's greatest villain. I mean, he's stronger than Superman. He's stronger than two Supermans. You know, he yeah. in the end of the book, he ends up beating the shit out of uh, Earth Earth Two Superman Earth. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it, it it's it's bad. Like it's actually kind of hard to watch because Earth Two Superman is the original Superman. He stands for everything that you know is pure and and true. And just to see him get the the snob beaten out of him like that was, I was just like, man, 
<sighs> yeah, it's it's pretty tough. There's there's a lot of parallels. If you like the Crisis or, or the Infinite Crisis book, if you like, you know, the idea of the Superboy Prime type character going nuts and taking revenge, a lot of it was, uh, to me anyway, seemed like it was borrowed from Miracle Man, which was it, a British comic in like the 70s and 80s that has a whole long and tortured history that is way too long to get into now, um, but had a very similar uh, storyline with with Kid Miracle Man growing up and becoming this ultimate villain and ultimately being the reason that Miracle Man comes back and has to fight him and all this good stuff. It's, it's an excellent book, but just as bogged down in its own continuity and stuff. Like, Infinite Crisis is not a book that you can really... If you've never read comic books before, you don't go here. Here's Infinite Crisis. Yeah, Have it's this. not something you just jump into. Yeah, right. you need some history it's, to get into it. Yeah, it's definitely something to bolster your DC reading with because it's it's definitely a huge event, especially in the '90s. This was probably one of the bigger things that happened, as you know, as far as combining all the universes together goes. That that is you know one of the events that you need to read. And it's probably one of the bigger events that has to do with the multiverse stuff that you should read if that's what you want to read about. And, you know, I, I have to agree with Dan. It, it uh, The DC continuity does get a bit bogged down. They have been cleaning it up, and they've been utilizing it a, a lot better. I just want to do a quick shout-out to all the multiversity books that are out right now. They're using their, their IPs way more classier than they have in the past. I mean, uh, have you had a chance to read any of that stuff, Dan? No, I haven't. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the thing is, they're doing separate stories for each universe, but they all ride under the same banner. So you got um, Multiversity Pax Americana, uh, which I believe has a lot of stuff to do with, like, assassination plots and everything from Earth-17. Then you have another one where I think it's, like, Earth-14, Superman is president. Uh, there's a, there's another one where it's like Earth 12 and it's like a, a more feminine type book. There, there's a bunch of them. Uh, and when I mean feminine, I mean like more female hero oriented than just like all over the place. So th- there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but like I said, they're, they're combining it a lot better than they have because there's no reason to be like, oh, we're going to do a, a, a huge over overarching story and we're going to throw all these characters barely anyone knows about and maybe have seen three or four times in books. No, instead split it up into short stories, introduce people to the books, you know, with these, you know, five or six issue arcs and then go from there. If people like them, you can pick and choose which ones you want and maybe you can make a whole uh, whole series out of it. But I think the way they're doing it now is is a lot classier than the way they've done it in the past. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting position, I think, that DC finds themselves in, uh, mostly because their their characters, I would argue, while I am much more of a Marvel and Image fan than I am a DC fan, I would argue that the the DC comics are, their, their characters are, are far more uh, symbolic and recognizable as symbols in pop culture and society and all that. Like, you see somebody with a Flash shirt, you know that that's the flash. Like everybody knows that that's the flash. My my grandparents knew that it was a flash shirt. But if I walked around with a Deadpool shirt on, then not necessarily. You know, they'd be like, who, who right, the hell is right. that? You know, Superman, Batman, the Flash, Green Lantern. Like those symbols are so 
they're so great. Yeah, they're they're icons, and they do have this this interesting thing. I mean, really, I it seemed like the the Infinite Earth stuff and the Crisis and 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 all those were DC really trying to to reconcile their their past of you know we have these goody two shoes characters. I mean, you go back and look at the beginning of Superman. I mean, Truth, Justice, in the American Way, and you know lots of red, white, and blue throughout that book. Same thing with Wonder Woman and the Flash and Green Lantern. These kind of, they were really just hokey and cheesy and terrible way back in the day. Where, Whereas as you got into like the late 70s, early 80s of, of these characters, they were very dark. You know, the, there's a lot of darkness right. going on right. in all of these. So DC having it set up to where the original good, goody two shoes Superman is Earth two Superman, and Earth three Superman is the more modern one that you know that we know after uh, the Man of Steel miniseries that came out in the mid eighties. Like it, it, it's just a really interesting way for DC to kind of reconcile all these characters together and kind of do this play between the light and the dark of their their characters. And I don't know that they always hit on it, and I. You know, like I said, just DC doesn't always strike a chord for me. Um, but I did really like the Infinite Crisis stuff. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I, I <clears> mean, <throat> when when they hit, they hit hard, and that that's the thing. You know, they they do have misses, and the misses are really bad. But when they make a good book, it's normally really, really solid, and it turns out to be something that endures. You know, a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, I would agree entirely. All right, cool, cool. Uh, we we went through a lot of books today. Uh, we talked about some DC stuff, which was neat. And I, I mean, I think we should end it here. We're going on about an hour, so um, we're happy uh, all you guys were listening. If you guys want to contact us or anything, remember all the links below for YouTube, website, Twitter, Facebook. Contact us links are in the show notes below. So remember, just check that out if you need any of the links. And also that will have the links for any of the books that we talked about as well, including any of the Infinite Crisis stuff, uh, Bitch Planet, um, Spider-Man and the X-Men, and the return of Barry Allen. And with that, I'm Dean DeValco. He's Dan Ryan. This is the Papercuts Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Keep reading your comics, guys. Thank you.